Armesa Falcone is being protected by a small army and a large arsenal. A forward attack may be too great a risk. This isn't a matter of force. Falcone's been beaten before. He knows he can always get back up. I want to get close. Show him my nightmare. Show him there's something on these streets more frightening than him. everyone, thanks for listening into this very first episode, or issue, of Comics on Consoles, a new podcast talking about what happens when capes meet controllers. If you missed the Zero issue that basically listed the manifesto of this show, what I hope to do with it is create in-depth discussion and analysis for things that don't seem to get a lot of either one, comics-based video games. I'm your host, Chris Clow of Movies.com, Geek Nation, Batman on Film, Modern Myth Media, and a few other places, and for our very first issue, it seems only appropriate to go back to the beginning. Well, a beginning, at least. So, let's dive right in. This month, the subject of the show is a pretty representative example of many comics-based video games for one primary reason. It's a movie tie-in created to coincide with the theatrical release of an anticipated big-budget comic book blockbuster. The game is Batman Begins, developed by Eurocom and published by EA Games in 2005. Now, for those of you who are coming into this show more from the comic book side of things, let me explain something just in case you don't already know it. The vast majority of licensed games, meaning anything derived from something that didn't originate first from an original idea in the video game medium, have what can politely be described as a less-than-stellar reputation. Movie games are most especially on gamers' lists of expected garbage, largely because they know that a game's overall development is severely hampered by time. Where most games have a somewhat open-ended production schedule, at least in the sense that they don't have to time their development based on another media release, movie tie-in games exist for the sole purpose of cashing in on the buzz surrounding an expected moneymaker, in this case the upcoming film. As a result, the development of the game has a solid deadline by which it has to finish. Go gold, meaning go into production, and ship to retailers. In the case of Batman Begins, it fell in line by releasing one day ahead of the film's theatrical release date of Wednesday, June 15, 2005. So, by all accounts, most people in the gaming press and elsewhere were perfectly reasonable in expecting doom for yet another licensed comic book movie video game, a genre that has generally produced more duds than hits, but those, of course, are for future episodes of this show. Now, winding the clocks back to June of 2005, the comic book video game landscape was a very different place than it is today. Compared with today, the vast majority of comic book video games that also serve as movie tie-ins are usually released on mobile devices, not on dedicated game consoles. In cases, though, where comics-based games are released on consoles, they've actually started to gain some traction with game critics and players as a solid, creative genre, primarily due to one phenomenal game series in particular, the Batman Arkham games, specifically those developed by Rocksteady Studios. In the summer of 2005, though, the first chapter in that groundbreaking series was still four years away, and up until this point, the reigning gem of superhero movie tie-ins came in the form of Treyarch and Activision's Spider-Man 2. Not that there weren't other good comics-based movie games released on the then-current gen before that point, 
but the Spidey sequel seemed to do a particularly good job of pleasing both players and critics. While conventional wisdom supported the hypothesis that Batman Begins would be something of a failure, there were some examples of superhero movie game releases being done well on Xbox, PS2, and GameCube, even with the normal concerns of development time and quality control still having a presence in the minds of gamers. In any case, if a game based on the first entry of the newly rebooted Batman film series was going to be embraced by players, something was going to have to be different about Batman Begins. Seemingly being aware of this, developer Eurocom took some very interesting and relatively innovative steps in trying to make their video game version of Batman one of the more unique comic book movie gaming experiences ever to be released up until that point. As a developer, Eurocom wasn't exactly a pushover either, since they had some very respectable and well-regarded titles, many of them also licensed, in their software catalog. While it seemed like no other James Bond game would be able to capture the spirit and pace of Rare's 1997 masterpiece GoldenEye 007 on the N64, Eurocom's The World Is Not Enough on that same system proved a very worthy follow-up when it was released in 2000. They did Bond justice again on the following generation of consoles with the release of 007 Nightfire, one of the more well-regarded Bond games in existence from the PS2, Xbox, and GameCube era. Their adaptation of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets received surprisingly positive reviews, and efforts with other licenses like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Predator received review scores that were more positive than the general way of thinking would seem to predict. That being said, Predator Concrete Jungle scores with critics weren't spectacular, but fans of the Alien Hunter seemed to enjoy the outing reasonably well. It goes without saying that a video game developer at least sets out to make something that can be considered good when it's eventually made available to gamers around the world. By this point, the last released Batman video game on a console was 2003's Batman Rise of Senzu, developed and published by Ubisoft in late 2003. It was a pretty straightforward 1-2 player beat-em-up, but failed to make a very positive impression on critics. Earlier that same year, another Batman game was released on consoles as well, a title that some people feel can be a viable contender for worst superhero game ever made, but that one's going to make for a very interesting episode of this show in and of itself down the road. So, I think it's fair to say that Batman Begins as a video game had something of an uphill battle to fight well before it was even released. Still, when it was ultimately released in the summer of 2005, the general gaming press reacted pretty positively. Uh, I mean, the real indicator of why Batman Begins is a special game, though, lies in the reaction of the biggest Batman fans. In their minds... And in mine, admittedly, this game was actually pretty great. And that there is really the impetus for this show's whole effort going forward. Exploring these games and, in applicable instances, setting the record straight about them. Over the past decade, the perception of overall quality in Batman Begins as a game seems to have been lost in a rather incorrect current perception that no good Batman games existed before 2009. Much of this impression is likely created by review scores from the time in which it was released that weren't particularly negative, but they didn't exactly heap a lot of praise onto the game either. Upon its release, Batman Begins earned review scores ranging from a low of 5.3 out of 10 from the official Xbox magazine to a high of 7.6 out of 10 for the GameCube version on IGN. If looking solely at those scores, Batman Begins wouldn't exactly seem like the most spectacular game for you to seek out and play, but many of those outlets that published reviews for it did not take the context of the game into account. For the first time in the video game medium, and certainly in the 3D era of gaming, 
Fear was a central element of the gameplay experience, just as it was core to the plot of the film the game is based on. In the comics, people have been reading for decades about Batman's ability to instill fear in criminals because of their status as a cowardly and superstitious lot. By having an element of the game revolve around instilling and capitalizing on the fear of criminals, Eurocom already made a massive leap forward in the conception of the Batman character in video games, and helped to innovate an element that would make any current Batman game feel incomplete without it. Central to the element of fear in the game was the intimidation meter, which measured how scared a room full of enemies would be before you actually descend on them to serve your gritty brand of justice. One of the ways you grow the meter, and yet another innovation that this game made to the character's appearances in the medium, is the use of hiding around the environment to prey on your enemies and choosing an opportune moment to startle them into dropping their weapons as they fall over themselves. In the ensuing chaos, you can then swoop in and beat them down. Also, for the first time in a Batman video game, stealth was an important factor for determining your success. Dropping into an environment with a group of henchmen unaware of your presence, the game uses a radar similar to the one in the Splinter Cell series, if not taken directly from it, that shows you who's armed, who's unarmed, and where the enemy's line of sight is. With this information, you can sneak up behind them and quietly take them down, and you can even drop from above and pull them up into a takedown as they scream in terror. On top of that, this game innovated another element that would prove to be important to future Batman games, and that's the use of the environment itself to scare criminals into a stupor. While not more complicated than a battering throw in a quick time event, it helped to add an element of authenticity to the fear that you were creating in your enemies while playing the game. It was relatively limited compared to other games in their interactable environments. You could only disrupt very specific parts of an environment. But it certainly helped show that for the first time, a game developer was on the right track in using stealth, environments, and most of all fear to combine into a pure Batman experience which had only been partially attempted before in other projects by comparison. Another key element of any Batman experience, and certainly any Batman game, is the combat. While combat isn't the most memorable element of gameplay in Batman Begins, its fluidity and overall look makes for a dynamic and fast-paced experience. Batman Begins actually innovated the idea of engaging multiple enemies at once, with an easy-to-use multi-targeting system allowing you to change your focus between enemies, as well as block breakers and some pretty brutal-looking finishing moves adding to the overall flourish of those sequences. And yet again, there was another important innovation that Batman Begins made to the character's combat in the video game medium, and that was the use of gadgets in the middle of a fight. Although simplistic when compared with what would come later, Batman Begins allows the Dark Knight to use things like smoke grenades, flashbangs, and a device which could call in a small bat swarm. While the actual function of using these gadgets could likely be clunky or unintuitive by today's standards, it was an element that, as a Batman fan, I'd never really experienced before in a game featuring this character. Like the use of fear against your enemies, other modern Batman games would also feel incomplete if you didn't have the ability to drop into the middle of a room and engage multiple enemies at once. The first game with the character that did that was Batman Begins. Now, one of the major selling points for the Batman video game that was just released this past summer in June of 2015 was the ability to get behind the wheel of the Batmobile. The last time gamers got to do that in a more serious title featuring the character, again, was in Batman Begins. 
There were only a couple of specific sections in which you could drive the tumbler in the game, but the fact that the new vehicle was included at all, I think, speaks volumes about just how well-rounded an experience this is, in addition to being an important forerunner to what we would get on consoles almost exactly ten years later. You also have to consider something that doesn't seem to be discussed very much either. Everything about what would become the Dark Knight trilogy, the characters, the environments, the gadgets, and most assuredly the car, were all very new to movie fans and most especially Batman fans in June of 2005. This game, by giving us a more in-depth look at all of these things, helped to create a more in-depth and interactive experience for those who wanted to engage more deeply with this brand new cinematic Gotham City. It was a unique opportunity, and as a massive Batman fan myself, I certainly felt like I enjoyed the world of the Batman Begins film noticeably more by diving into this game. So all of what I've just told you is talked about the function of the actual gameplay elements of Batman Begins, but another very important element of the entire experience is the game's presentation. While the sixth generation of consoles proved to be a pretty sizable leap forward in the visual and sound departments of video games when compared with the general visual and audio fidelity on consoles like the Nintendo 64 and PlayStation 1, Batman Begins was something pretty special. In fact, I think it's one of the best looking games from that era that I've ever played. As a film, Batman Begins certainly made an impact for being by that point the most realistic looking Batman film ever released. Using the city of Chicago as the basis for Gotham City, Christopher Nolan really helped to make Gotham feel like a real, living place. In the game, many of the moody environments and ominous senses of darkness make the transition pretty directly into the game, with Arkham Asylum in particular being recreated very faithfully to the film. I also remember being completely blown away by just how realistic the character models looked for the time. Taking the likenesses of Christian Bale, Liam Neeson, Michael Caine, Katie Holmes, Tom Wilkinson, Killian Murphy, Ken Watanabe, and Morgan Freeman, all of the characters were represented within the game very well. With those likenesses also came those actors' voices, and by and large everyone turns in a very solid and memorable vocal performance in this game. So if there's a primary lesson to take away from the Batman Begins video game experience, I think it's this. It was actually a pretty major stepping stone toward what we would ultimately get in 2009 with the release of the first game in the Arkham series. In addition to that though, its place as a licensed movie tie-in of pretty high quality is something that seems to have been either ignored, overlooked, or outright forgotten in the intervening decade. An excellent visual look, solid performances by the film's key principal actors, innovative gameplay elements, and some kick-ass driving levels made Batman Begins a surprisingly well-rounded Batman simulator for 2005. And if you tend to look at this game with a rather apathetic attitude, I'd encourage you to give it another shot. Chances are that if you do, you might form an impression of how important a stepping stone this game was to the masterpiece that would arrive in 2009. On that note, let's move over to the discussion section of the show, featuring our special co-host for the month. He's here. Who? The Batman. What do we do? What anyone does when a prowler comes around. Call the police. Alright, so now we move on to the discussion portion of the episode, and our co-host this month is none other than Sean Gerber, founder of ModernMythMedia.com, also an admin over on the Batman on Film message boards, uh, starter of the Make and Mind Marvel podcast, which I've also participated on, and Sean and I have been podcasting together on and off for much of the past... God, Seven years. 
Seven years now. Seven so years. It, the Batman on Film podcast, which is the first podcast I ever did, and I think the first one you did also, um, or maybe not, I don't know, but that was, well, we're in August of 2015 now. Uh, yeah. That, the first episodes of that were recorded uh, in, I think, early September of 2008. So, yeah, it's wow. been seven years. That's that's pretty crazy how, how the time has gone by. But. <laughs> yes, it is. I mean, but since you were there at the very first podcast I ever participated in, it seemed only appropriate that I extend the first discussion co-host spot to you. So thank you very much for joining me on Comics on Consoles, Sean. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be on any episode, but especially the first one. That's great. I appreciate that. Yeah. So you and I have talked a lot in the past about a lot of comic book characters, but Batman has probably had the lion's share of the discussion focus and we've talked about him in multiple mediums. We've talked about him in movies and in comics and on television. But we haven't gotten too detailed in regards to video games. So one of the first things that I want to do, because I, I don't think that video games are too much of a focus on some of the other podcasts that you do. Correct. So in regards to games, I know that you've owned at least one system of the last few generations. I think you had an Xbox in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. A uh, a PS3 for the last several years, and now you have a PS4. So, would you classify yourself as a gamer per se, or do you think of yourself more as a casual player? I would have to say casual player because most of the games that I play are extensions of my other forms of fandom. So, a lot of what I play is so. For example, I, I don't play it anymore. I was really big into sports games for a while because I was a sports fan. So that mm-hmm. was an extension of that, especially games like Madden and the various MLB games. So and all the all the different sports stuff. Um, and then I would play Batman games. Obviously, most of the, anything to do with superheroes, I would usually at least try to play it if it was a game that was at all bearable to play. Right. Um, and then you know, or the Batman Arkham games. Again, that's an extension of my Batman fandom. And then even now, the stuff I play, like right now, I, I'm of all things, like I play a lot of Disney Infinity because it has Marvel characters in it. Now it's going to have Star Wars characters in it, and I'll be getting Star Wars Battlefront later this year. I've owned a lot of systems. I mean, I like a lot of people of my generation, I started out with an original Nintendo and then went to... But I've owned, over the course of my life, I've had Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis. Um, I've also had had the original PlayStation. I had a GameCube. Uh, I had... Uh, a Dreamcast for all of the year that that lasted. Uh, I had uh, an original Xbox. I had a PS2, a PS3. Um, I had an Xbox 360, got the Red Ring of Death. That was when I switched to PS3. Uh, And then I've been on Sony ever since. So just uh, last Christmas, my wife, whom is just the most amazing woman in the world, bought me a PS4 for Christmas (laughs) because I was never going to uh, drop that 400 bucks on myself. Uh, so at least not without getting express written consent so that she was able to, uh, deliver that for Christmas was amazing. Uh, and then, but there have been times where my gaming was a little more extensive. Um, but oddly enough, it's good that we're talking about, uh, well, our, our subject matter is appropriate because a lot of the other games I, I played were attempts to find 
you know, because a lot of the superhero games I liked were not all that great, you know, I would play other games to kind of act out my my superhero gaming fantasies. So sure. one of the, the franchise that I was really big on uh, was Splinter Cell. I, I played the original game. Uh, the original Splinter Cell, and then I think I played maybe the first three or four Splinter Cell games. I've since fallen off of it, but I played the first, I know for sure the first three Splinter Cell games, uh, and I've picked up other stuff here and there. When I, But beyond Super I think Super Nintendo and like original PlayStation and maybe original Xbox, those were kind of when my biggest gaming years. I, I Right now, most of what I play, just because I'm so extremely short on time because i spend a lot of my free time podcasting uh, mm-hmm. what's left for for video games usually like i said just goes to stuff that i'm already a fan of not so much uh gaming itself right so it sounds like video games had quite a presence in your house as a kid oh I know you, yeah you had siblings right yeah yeah so my brother and i were huge on the original nintendo and super nintendo i mean we had just about everything you could have on on the original nintendo and we had a ton of stuff for Super Nintendo, uh, but it was really, and that actually, that was probably when, you know, some of my gaming first started to fall off as my brother got out of it. He wasn't into it at all. So once, probably about the time I got to playing a PlayStation, it was down to just me uh, with gaming. Mm-hmm. And of course that was before online gaming. So um, yeah, it, it I, as soon as I lost kind of a, a player two, or he's the older brother, I was player two. Uh, as soon as I lost my player one and I had to move into that spot and didn't have anybody to uh, replace myself on the other controller, uh, it maybe fell off a little bit. So I guess gaming was always more of a social experience, I guess. Uh, Although I don't know that I would classify my relationship with my brother as social, but like (laughs) it's, uh, you know, it, that's kind of how it was. And then it, it, kind of tapered off, but it's always been, it's always been there just because there's always been licensed games. Sure. Sure. Do you have a favorite video game, maybe from one of those NES days or just Ooh, an experience man. that comes uh, up top? Favorite? That's really tough. Um, I would have to say, not counting my bias towards certain licenses, uh, mm-hmm. my, my favorite video game of all time is actually the original Mario Kart on Super Nintendo. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite. Um, that is one that I... I cannot tell you how much time, because uh, we just completely lost track of it. That was the one that my brother and I would just play all day. Uh, Super mm-hmm. Nintendo. That that is the one that is just that's an all time standout. I don't think that for as long as I actually have a memory, uh, that game will be part of it. Sure, sure, that's totally understandable. And yeah, I mean Mario Kart is one of those franchises that is just universally playable by anybody, and I think that's. A big part of the appeal of it yeah it is but i i still maintain and i maybe that's just because i'm getting older and becoming a curmudgeon but like i mean <laughs> i maintain that that is the best game in the entire franchise i know the technology has made things better in a lot of respects but just the simplicity of that game is amazing and there's no more difficult rainbow road to drive on than the one that's in Super <laughs> Nintendo. Yeah, that's that's probably true. Because you're actually. driving, yeah, you're driving that on a directional pad, not a joystick. So there's, mm-hmm. you know, having to ease the corners on that with, you know, no bumpers on the side, much yeah. more difficult. Digital input as opposed to analog too. Yes. So you can't control yes. the weight. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, 
So it sounds like you've owned a lot of game consoles. Do you still own any of the older ones, or do you pretty much move on to the next generation once it's solidified? Um, I s- usually hang on to them for a little while. Like, I still have my PS3 right now. Um, I don't mm-hmm. have... The only other console that I still have is... It's not it's not my original one. I, I replaced it a while back. I do have a Super Nintendo, um, but okay. it doesn't uh, it doesn't work all that great. So mm. it works when it wants to. But sure. it's uh, those are the kind of the only ones I have mainly. Right. But for the most part, once I get the new one, I, I tend to focus on that. You stick with it. Yeah, I think that's a that's a pretty general attitude, especially for people who classify themselves as more casual gamers. Mm. So that's, that seems reasonable. But of course, the reason that we're here today is for the Batman Begins game. And it was decided, when it was decided that this one would be the subject of our very first episode, you were the first person that I thought of. I, I think I sent you a text just about mm-hmm. a year ago mm-hmm. asking if you would be interested in doing it, and you seemed very enthusiastic, so yes. I knew right away that that had to be it. Um, so take me back to the summer of 2005. You're amped up for the release of the film, obviously, mm-hmm. and the video game comes out either the day before or the same day. Uh, was it something that you were keeping an eye on as a game that you knew you really wanted to play? Or what was your awareness and level of expectation before you actually picked up the controller? I knew it was coming and I knew it was going to be bought. So there there mm-hmm. was no, it was an assumed purchase. I think it actually came out, I don't know, I think it came out the day before the movie came out. Because I, I think, and maybe I'm misremembering it, but I could I could swear that I intentionally did not play the game when I first got it because I needed to see the movie and I didn't want to have anything spoiled by the video game. So sure. I, I, may, I could be wrong, but I, I'm thinking that it came out uh, no, a day no, before. I think, I think you're right because some of the information that I've sought out actually places the release date a day before, but a press release I found recently mm-hmm. from Warner Brothers said that it came out the same day. So this, sometimes that stuff's not the most precise i think what happened is batman begins was originally going to come out on a friday but it got moved up to a wednesday right and i think games are normally tuesday and yes. I, so i i think that it came out on tuesday so i think i probably saw batman begins midnight that night um mm-hmm. so i and i think that's what was what it was i went to i don't even remember if i where i went to if it was a GameStop or a target or wherever but i, I went and i got the game and then i remember just I didn't even open it uh, that day, and then I think I went and saw the movie, and then I got up and played it uh, the next morning uh, mm-hmm. before going to watch the movie again. And I, I remember as far as my anticipation for it, I, I knew to kind of temper my expectations a bit just because there haven't been a lot of uh, great Batman games. There, there certainly hadn't been up until that point. And uh, although I maintain that the Batman Returns video game on Super Nintendo is pretty kick-ass. Um, <laughs> but, Literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I liked that one, but you know, nothing else had really lived up to it. Even the Batman animated games, you know, people look at Batman Vengeance, and those are all fine, but I didn't really love those games. Mm-hmm. Um, the My favorite up until that point was, even though I didn't like the movie that very much, I, my favorite Batman game was the Super Nintendo Batman Returns game up until that point. So Sure. I didn't come into it with too high of expectations, but I had read about it. I, I was well read on the game. I, I read numerous previews of it, you know, after it had been announced and coming up mm-hmm. to it, talking about it being uh, a game that would be like the movie, introduce the concept of Batman using fear, uh, and just the gameplay itself looked like it had. There were more elements to the game engine than anything else I had seen uh, in a previous Batman game. I, I knew that I was going to get the chance to interrogate criminals to extract information 
Mm-hmm. I knew I would have the opportunity to creep up on criminals, uh, you know, and drop down and, and drop down from the rafters and, and just grab them. Uh, so all of that stuff that I, I knew was going to be part of the game, it was very encouraging that this might be a uh, might be a game where I could actually feel a little bit more like Batman as I was playing it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's kind of funny to think that it you know it's been ten years now, and when you go back into sort of that era surrounding really any media, but video games in particular, you know, YouTube wasn't, uh, it hadn't caught on by that point. And, uh, you know, video game reviews, you could read some online from just people that buy the games. But for the most part, it was restricted to just a few online outlets and, of course, gaming magazines. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't as wide a perception available of a video game as you can find today. I mean, today you can see gameplay videos on YouTube well before the game is released. Mm -hmm. You can watch people stream gameplay live on something like Twitch. There's so many different places that you can find reviews. And, you know, we were starting to get to that point in 2005, but we certainly weren't there yet. So it was kind of a crapshoot. Not nearly as much as like maybe the Super NES days, but it was kind of a crapshoot as far as uh, whether or not a game was going to be good. Yeah, it was a little more fun back then. There was a little more. Sure. Mi- there was a little more mystery to it, and you actually you felt like you had to play it. I mean, the thing about mm-hmm. the thing I can do with video games now is you could just be lazy. You don't even have to play <laughs> the game. You don't even have to buy it. You can watch somebody else play it all the way through. Especially yep. for a licensed game like this, where it's Batman, and I, I'm just as interested in the story of the game as I because it's Batman. I'm just as interested in the story as I am the gameplay. So mm-hmm. if I just want to watch all the cinematics of a Batman game, I can just go do that. I don't have to buy the game. But at the same time, video games now are, are more expensive than they were then. So and and mm-hmm. certainly everybody's anybody who's ever bought like more than three or four games in their life has had that moment where you get home with a game and it sucks and it's terrible yeah. and you just spent money. So it's nice to be that you know consumers have a chance to be better informed. But I don't think the thrill of a game being great is quite as sweet as it used to be when there was always when there was a little element of doubt in, as you first popped the pop the game in as to whether or not it was going to live up to your your hopes and dreams for it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, with this game, you know, it's of course tied into the first entry of Christopher Nolan's trilogy, mm-hmm. and so our perceptions about that world, at least, well, in, from my perspective, anyway. My perceptions about the world of the Dark Knight trilogy are surprisingly uh, tied to my experience in playing this game. I don't know if it's the same for you, but uh, one thing in particular, you know, one of the most often criticized elements of the Dark Knight trilogy is Christian Bale's voice. And of course, Christian Bale provides the voice of Bruce Wayne and Batman in this mm-hmm. game. It's pretty solid, you know. He's his, not his best quite bat- as guttural. No, his best Batman voice is in this game. And yeah. just like I think his voice is at its best in Batman Begins, there's there's a noticeable difference. I mean, almost radical difference in his voice in Batman Begins versus Dark Knight and then of course Dark Knight Rises. And mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people like to give Bale flack for that, but I'm not so sure because I remember interviews with Christopher Nolan talking about messing with Christian's voice in voice in post on the Dark Knight more than he did in Batman Begins, so I don't necessarily think a lot of that was uh, Bale doing that on set. I, I think his voice got messed with and became more modulated and just kind of weird sounding in places uh, in the Dark Knight, which was not necessarily part of his performance. So I don't 
put it all on bail for some of the the issues with his voice in Dark Knight. But then again, I also think his voice is better in Rises than it is in Dark Knight because I think not it wasn't a it they didn't pull it all the way back to where it was in Batman Begins, but they definitely mm. toned it down compared to Dark Knight because I'm sure they were aware of the feedback. Sure, sure, and of course. You know, playing through this game, it's really the only chance that you get in this film series to walk around the worlds themselves. Because, I, I mean, one of the things that I remember being very impressed by when I first played this game was just how good it looked. Yes. I, I actually maintain that it might be one of the best looking games from this generation that I've actually ever played. Uh, but, but, I mean, the, the likenesses are spot on. The voice work from the, the participating cast members is very good in most cases. But, it, I mean, it's... It's a surprisingly informative experience in the world of the Dark Knight trilogy, at least I feel, by actually going into this world and going through some of the recognizable environments from the first film. And it might even give some context a little bit to some of the earlier parts of the film where he's training with the League of Shadows. So did you find the immersion level in a game like this to be higher than in some other Batman games that you played or did you find it to be sort of evened out I thought it was the best pre-Arkham I mean it it was Mm -hmm. like I loved I felt like I was operating in the world that was you know that Batman Begins had defined you know in the movie that I just saw the night before that that's how I felt when I was playing I mean even the sepia tones of Batman Begins are in this game I mean it's laced with them so I thought the look and feel of just the world that this game is is set in, uh, I think it, it it does an extraordinary job of capturing what was shown to me, what was built in front of me uh, in Batman Begins, and 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 I think that's why you know I've been such I was such a fan of the game is I I felt like this was a very nice, a very fun, uh, and in some places just flat out you know beautiful extension of that world. Mm-hmm. So how far into actually playing it did you realize that this was something that you were really going to attach to? Oh, right away. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, that, that first cinematic, you know, a thug crashes through the skylight and the Batman's coming mm-hmm. and you you crash through and it's kind of, it's still kind of the tutorial stage because it, it shows you the, it tells you what buttons to hit as you're going into your, your first fight against, it's what, two or three thugs in that first room. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I... I thought, wow, like right away, I just felt like I'm fighting much more. I feel like I'm fighting much more like Batman now. And mm-hmm. so it, it was instant. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that was pretty true of, of my experience playing it as well. Now, you mentioned Splinter Cell, which I think is uh, oddly tied to Batman Begins in a way because... Oh, yeah, they totally ripped off that game engine. Yeah, yeah, abs- I mean, the stealth aspect is yes. almost verbatim. Um, and, you know, that was... It, it's it's kind of difficult to place myself in a mindset of the pre-Arkham uh, era of Batman games just because those were so influential. But you can see a lot of strands oh, yes. of Batman yes. Begins, especially in Arkham Asylum. And the stealth aspect, you know, they, they took it further in Arkham Asylum. But having a Splinter Cell-like beginning to the stealth aspect certainly had the the biggest service to Batman's abilities in stealth paid forward in this game yeah i mean that was the thing about the splinter cell games that made me like them was the stealth aspect of it i know batman doesn't use a gun like sam fisher does but like i loved that it was um 
you know, I, I love the idea of having to knock people out and drag them off into shadows. I wish I had to drag people off into shadows in Batman Begins, but I guess that would have been mm-hmm. too much of a copy. But um, th- this is why I, I really am, because Batman Begins is a game that not everybody rags on it, but it gets ragged on as almost as often as some of the other you know, not so great Batman games, and it totally yeah. doesn't deserve that. And uh, this is a, a game that it is totally a precursor to the Arkham games. A lot of the concepts that are introduced in this game, uh, in terms of the gameplay, granted, not, they're not all original to Batman Begins. Some of them, like we said, are borrowed from elsewhere. But in terms of introducing those elements into a Batman game, they're there. I mean, even having radar of armed thugs versus unarmed thugs is something that we now that we ended up having in the Arkham games. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of elements to it. Even, you know, some of the animation, the the fighting, you know, some of the finishing animations uh, from Batman Begins are not far off from some of the finishing animations of the Ar- the especially the the first couple Arkham games. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of similarities here. I I think there the DNA of of this Batman Begins video game I, I believe carry for even though it wasn't electronic arts anymore. Like I, I think it totally carried forward into uh, into at least inspiring a lot of what we ended up getting in Arkham. Yeah, I mean, um, I remember reading in an issue of Game Informer uh, some of the people from Rocksteady talking about, okay, so how do you make a good Batman game? And one of the first places that they started was looking at games that had been made previously. They didn't specifically mention mm-hmm. any previous game, but it was pretty clear picking up Arkham Asylum for the first time in 2009 that Batman Begins yes. played a part in some of those early discussions. But in, in regards to Batman Begins, one of the often uh, criticized elements of it is it's breezing through the story of the film mm-hmm. uh, in, in a pretty fast and, and loose manner. Did you have a problem with that at all? I didn't. Um, maybe it's because I knew... I. This is a movie that I had just saw the night before playing it, and then of course was went to the theater to see several times as I was playing through this game several times. Sure, um, I and I think it's fair if you were just playing the game and, and evaluating it strictly as a game independent of the film. I, I think that's where most of the legitimate criticisms of the movie lie. Uh, but I think having since I knew the story so well, I didn't necessarily mind it breezing through because whatever gaps there were, I was able to fill in. And there's there's missions that Batman goes on in here that are not part of the movie. So True. I, I kind of felt like what it skips from the film, it uh, you know, it fills in with stuff that's designed to give you more gameplay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's um, that's one of the things... Uh, in movie-based games that has been, it's it's sort of made more of a, I mean, movie-based games now are becoming less and less common, mm-hmm. uh, at least on consoles. But uh, in, in the case of the Batman Begins game, I think that it also pushed forward a trend that was going to become more prevalent over the next seven or eight years, where the story that the game tells is a little bit more of a companion to the film as opposed to just trying to rehash it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't do that entirely, but there are a few places, like you said, where the missions sort of give it, they drag out some of the moments from the film a little bit more to give you more of a perspective on the gameplay. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly something that I appreciated at the time. I mean, whenever one of these movies comes out, the immersion level in the franchise as a whole, uh, automatically goes up. So mm-hmm. I know that just from my perspective, 
uh, my excitement for Batman Begins and my enthusiasm after seeing it certainly played a part in my purchase of the game, but it also immersed me more in the franchise as a whole once again. I had checked out of the comics for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, were, were you pretty knee-deep in the comics at that point, or um, or was it kind of a byproduct of the film's excitement? No, I was into the comics. I got into... Uh, I've almost... Other than a few small gaps, I've been pretty consistently into Batman and Detective Comics since... I mean, maybe 89, 90. Um, mm-hmm. I've had a few gaps in there for sure. But, uh, and I'm not fully caught up on what's going on on Detective right this moment. But I know I, I got really heavy into Batman comics uh, back in 2002 with Hush, I, I think okay. is when I started, when Jim Lee came to start drawing Batman, I started uh, making sure that I was getting every you know, getting Batman every month. And, uh, mm-hmm. so, and, and that continued all the way in because I knew by the time hush wrapped up, it was pretty clear that we were getting a new Batman film. So all that excitement just carried me into reading more and more comics. So I was well immersed in that as Batman begins came out, but specifically with this franchise, what I loved about this game though, in terms of how it aided and, and amplified my fandom for the dark Knight trilogy is that, you know, Batman Begins was only in theaters for you know a few months, and then it wasn't out on. Well, I I can't even say Blu-ray. That's how long ago it was. It was DVD, <laughs> uh, even before HD DVD. So it was DVD first in I think like October of two thousand five. Yeah. October eighteenth. So, yeah. So after I had seen um, Batman Begins in the theater a number of times. Uh, you know, I, I couldn't keep going to the movies every week to watch it, uh, but I would keep my way of watching the movie again until I got the DVD was to play through the story, uh, sure. was to play that game. So it it just became kind of a way of having these abbreviated uh, repeat viewings of the film uh, over and over again. That was my that was my experience with it. I for I, I it got criticized a lot for being too simple of a game and and too repetitive to have uh, great replay value. Uh, that was not the case for me because even though there was a lot of repetition in it, uh, I was so in love with that movie and, and the game that I I didn't mind repeating it over and over and over again. Yeah, n- neither did I, and I it's it's sometimes difficult for me to separate uh, whether or not the game is just solidly good on its own merits or if my uh, my immersion in the world and the character of Batman is supplementing something that might not be there for other people. And I go back and forth on it, but this game in particular, I really do think is, is, is genuinely good. Um, there are elements, sure, that, like you said, where it was, it was criticized for being a little too repetitious in places, but they, people who were talking about the game when it was released, who actually had the job of reviewing it for a couple of different outlets... I don't think they came to it from the perspective of Batman fans who have been burned by video games before. Right. Not that that's necessarily their job, but I really do feel like it should be at least part of the narrative because in, in that respect, Batman Begins deserves a lot of credit. It does, and and I think especially now it's it's going to be harder for the for the game to get credit because now it's not you know licensed games aren't thought of the same way because as you mentioned they're not made specific on consoles anyway they're not made specifically to tie into a particular film or or television show it, it they're 
I mean, Batman games now are, are made specifically to be video games. They're not made, you know, to, uh, to tie into anything. And, and I think with, um, with Batman Begins, I mean, it was still, it's, I think it holds up as one of the best licensed games I've ever played. Um, sure. You know, especially when it's tied to a, a specific film license, not just the, not just the character. And, um, Independent of my Batman fandom and my love of Batman Begins, uh, the film, I, I would still say that this is a very solid video game. I wouldn't necessarily hold it up as great, um, mm-hmm. but, but it's it's solid. It's it's a good, fun game and and an entertaining play for several hours. But then when I when I factor in that it is a licensed game and it is a Batman game, and and relative to all the other Batman games that I had played in my life up until that point, uh, it became great. Yeah, and you know, I think that's a really good way of putting it is that when when taken into account of its history and the context of Batman's video game exploitations, it does go from from good to great. Uh but when you're forced, I guess, to sort of abandon the elements of the 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 franchise's previous v- video game explorations, maybe it is just good, but I mean, I have a really hard time separating those two things because you don't comic- have to, though, because when those and again, this is the this is the difference in the gaming market now versus then. Sure. And the mentality of a licensed game in 2005 was not to be a great game to satisfy any hardcore gamer. It mm-hmm. was they they were specifically made to be bought by the people who were fans of whatever the license was. So I I think it's, you know, so you have to kind of, it's just like a movie, you know, you don't evaluate a comedy for how well it handles drama, you know, Mm -hmm. you, and with this one, I wouldn't want to, while it's, while you certainly can evaluate it as just purely a game and and independent of its license. um, I, I think that, that is in some ways unfairly dismissive of the intent behind the game and who it's for. Uh, and I think that has to be kept in mind. Sure. Sure. So when, when the, uh, I guess when the critical reception of the game was first starting to, I guess, be disseminated amongst fans and amongst gamers, what was your reaction to it uh, in, in the immediate aftermath of the game's release? Cause mine was sort of incredulity, but uh, uh, did you feel like it was something that you consciously had to defend if it came up in a conversation in those first couple of months? I honestly did not care. I was I was focused on the fact that I was enjoying my experience with playing the game. Um, I was actually having to defend the movie Batman Begins back then. Because uh, mm. there were uh, quick side note, but uh, yeah, a lot of people when. And that's why I kind of found it funny when there was so much debate over Dark Knight Rises and a lot of people pretended that Batman Begins was as universally loved as the Dark Knight when it came out, which is not true. No, uh, it's and, not. And I've got message board debates to prove it. But <laughs> um, it was still very well liked, obviously, by the majority. Just not. It just wasn't a consensus like uh, the Dark Knight was. But right. I, 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 I mean, I knew that the review, like I had read a couple and saw that it, it, it got so-so reviews. And... I just, I didn't really care. I didn't feel the need to defend the game because I guess I didn't know anybody else who was playing it. So nobody else, 
I wasn't really in a conversation with anybody who was, you know, ragging on it. So if I, I read a review and it, it didn't really give the game high marks, it's just, okay, well, that's fine, but I'll, I'll just go back to playing this game that I like. Uh-huh. Yeah. That, and that's probably the best attitude to have just mm-hmm. to, you know, to keep from going crazy. But yeah. over the past, over the past decade where comic book video games are, well, this one in particular has a little bit more of a, quote-unquote historical context to it uh what has your experience been when this game has come up in a casual conversation do you do you find that it has a bad reputation or do you find that people kind of share our opinion no i've there's some people who share our opinion but i i find myself actually defending it more now and i feel the need to defend it more now than i did when it first came out Um, Mm -hmm. because you know when i and, and i think it's that's really what made me be a more kind of fierce defender of the game. Not that, I mean, I don't have to, I don't have conversations about this video game that often, but when sure. it, but when it happens, it was really the first Arkham game in 2009 where my appreciation for Batman begins grew because so many elements of that game uh, incorporated things that were first introduced, at least into Batman games in Batman begins. So that's mm-hmm. when, when people started, it was more kind of providing context when people would say Arkham Asylum is amazing. And it was right for, you know, right for them to say it, but Arkham Asylum is so amazing. You know, every other bat, every other Batman game before this was garbage. Uh, that was when I was like, uh, uh, wait, uh, like, you know, yeah. I had to take issue with that and just say, look, you, you have to keep in mind, you know, the context of, of the history that we're, we're working with here that of what's come before. Like if you, I, I don't think you either didn't play Batman Begins or you did and, and you're not remembering it very well of you know, how many ideas from that game were actually carried over. Because when people say that, um, you know, Arkham was the only time they ever felt at all like they were being Batman, uh, I, well, if that's their experience, I can't disagree with their experience. I just didn't. Sure. I just didn't share that feeling. While I agree that Arkham was the most complete feeling of of feeling like Batman when you're playing a game, I started to feel that way. Maybe, like I said, not as completely, but I, you know, the first time I I began feeling that way was Batman Begins. Yeah, I mean, you have to start somewhere, mm-hmm. and I think that's a key element of what some people don't really understand and you know now we're getting to a point where uh when this game came out some some current batman fans were maybe too young to experience this game Mm -hmm. and they've sort of fallen into that narrative that batman games were awful until arkham asylum and you know there are a couple of other examples some of which we'll explore in other episodes of this show but um, for the most part, it really did seem like in the 3D era of gaming, Batman Begins up until Arkham Asylum was the most complete Batman experience that you could get. Mm-hmm. Not simply for the fact that you could walk around and you could stalk your enemies and that you could use fear to your advantage. But, I mean, it was also up until, I guess, Lego Batman 2, one of the only games that, in addition to being Batman on the ground you could get in the car. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, those car scenes, we haven't talked about them yet, but those car scenes were basically taken out of the Burnout franchise, but it was still, I mean, they were there were two levels out of the entire game where yes. you could play in the Tumblr. So it's not a huge element of the game, but 
I really do think that it did represent a uh, a core element of Batman that has been missing in some games simply by virtue of its inclusion because those scenes didn't need to be there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and I really do remember enjoying those Tumblr scenes immensely, partially because I'd never played Burnout before at that point, but also, too, because not only was this a scene where you get to drive the Batmobile, but this is also one of the better looks that you get at the Tumblr, yes. especially in those early days. I loved the Tumblr sequences, and that's why I go back to the Super Nintendo Batman Returns game because there's a couple Batmobile levels in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's at least one. I think there might actually be two. Um, and then for Batman Begins, I was I who didn't love the Tumblr? I mean, yeah. who didn't like just adamantly agree with Jim Gordon when soon he said, "I got to get me one of those." <laughs> like, who didn't? And I, you know, so getting the chance to play with the Tumblr, I mean, especially after having just seen the movie and that amazing chase sequence. Uh, like I was just so geeking out to have a chance to control the tumbler and I had a blast with it. And, you know, and you were doing what was happening in the movie, smashing cop cars and presumably dirty cop cars. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, smashing other cars, like, you know, when you have to take out the truck in the first, uh, tumbler level, all that, I was, I was having a blast with it. The tumbler levels are, you know, two of my favorite sequences in the game. Um, but I also loved that you got to have action gameplay as Bruce Wayne, you know, first in, yeah. the, in the training sequence uh, at, you know, raw at, with the League of Shadows. But then I got to fight as Bruce Wayne in a tuxedo in Wayne Manor. <laughs> what? Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> like I get to be, all of a sudden Bruce Wayne is in James Bond mode and it's a blast. And and the dynamics of that level change because now you're you're not armored up, so you can't take the gunfire that you could when you're in the bat suit. So, mm-hmm. you know it it act you know it represented uh, you know a new challenge in the gameplay. So, uh, you you totally had to have you know your your stealth game up to par in that, and then you get you you know Morgan Freeman's cameo uh, in the game. So, I I loved it. This was an opportunity that uh, you know. In, in this game, you get opportunity to do things that you've not at that time really had not had very many chances or any chances at all to do uh, in a Batman video game. Because And I speaking to how well this movie, I think, portrays the story of Batman Begins mm-hmm. is by including two levels where you're just Bruce Wayne and not in a bat suit. That to me is an, a great tribute to what the emphasis was in Batman Begins. The whole idea yes. of Batman Begins, the the genesis of the idea from Christopher Nolan and, and David Goyer was you have to love this guy before he puts on the bat suit. If you don't care about him and if, if you're not just as excited about this guy named Bruce Wayne before he puts the bat suit on as you are once he puts the costume on, you know, we failed. Like this movie, this movie does not succeed if you don't already, if you're not uh, invested in Bruce Wayne before you're invested in Batman. And this game, I thought, paid a nice tribute to that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it was it was also something that would be paid forward again in at least one of the Arkham games. Mm-hmm. Uh, but having the Bruce Wayne element there is certainly crucial if you're going to adapt the story of Batman Begins. And that scene already, I, I mean, when I first saw the movie, 
I remember being completely blown away that they were destroying Wayne Manor. Mm -hmm. So actually having to get another perspective on those events from the film by playing them in the game was extremely valuable to me as a fan of the movie and of the character because this was genuinely new territory that it was exploring. And the, the level of specificity that this game goes into really, I do think, sets kind of a, a higher bar for licensed games in general. I mean, there have been a couple that have come along over the last decade uh, that might have done it a little bit better, but especially for the time, I had certainly never seen a movie game like this. And that's where some of this, the, the perception of the game really does become very unfair. I mean, it, it's, it, it delves into the movie in such a way that it doesn't rehash too much but what it does explore, what it goes into unique territory with, is the actual mechanics of Bruce Wayne, the mechanics of Batman, of course, the mechanics of the car. Mm-hmm. And it's just an, a surprisingly well-rounded experience, like you said, especially for a licensed game. Yeah, I, I think you can make an argument that this one belongs either at the top of the list or near it for the best movie-based games of all time. I mean, sure. I, I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, so one of the other really interesting things about Batman Begins, and we alluded to it before, is just the the sheer presentation. I mean, we've talked about the graphical presentation a little bit already and how it was so impressive for the time. But also, too, I mean, movie video games by this point are not a new thing, and the actors from those films actually participating in the creation of the game was also not a new thing. But the thing that still continually impresses me about Batman Begins, even playing it today, is how much of the cast participated. Yes. And the quality of their performances. Uh, the, the one that I'm continually surprised by, by both his inclusion and his performance, is Tom Wilkinson. Yes. Because, uh, you know, I remember um, on the game disc itself, there's a little bit of a behind-the-scenes documentary that yes, shows them working. And... Um, you can probably find it on YouTube, I think. It is. But, it's on YouTube. Okay, yeah. But, I mean, they get into it. Michael Caine, um, first of all, how many games have Michael Caine as a voice actor? Right. The answer is one, and it's this one. Uh, but the the performances from the cast in in this game are rather exceptional, especially when compared with other licensed games. I I completely agree with that which also speaks to why batman begins was so good as they had uh, such great actors but yes i mean ken watanabe is that's a guy who and that's a character who ordinarily is does not you do not get the same actor like that could have like i think those are the ones the people who had smaller roles in batman begins let me yes it's it's pretty obvious that you would get christian bale if you can to come in sure. and play batman and, and even michael kane as alfred since he's the one who talks to you throughout the game, makes sense. And getting your villains is is key if you can get Killian Murphy and Liam Neeson, which is great that they had them. But mm-hmm. I, I think when you... But the ones you don't expect are just the smaller role players where you could just easily uh, you know, insert somebody else. You could, you did not have to have Tom Wilkinson, uh, Tom Wilkinson come in and be Carmine Falcone. You did not have to have Ken Watanabe come in to be the fake Ra's al Ghul. And they got him to come in and do it for these yeah. small little bits. I feel bad for Katie Holmes for just going in a booth to scream, but, uh, <laughs> everybody else, you know, had a nice, uh, role with it. And it was great that they were able to, uh, to participate and they definitely, you know, they, they gave performances in it. They didn't, there's nothing really half-assed about 
the way that they approached it. And I, I appreciated that. All of that made it, uh, made the, the gaming experience so much more immersive and such a great uh, addition to the film. Yeah. And I think, you know, part of that is that many of these actors have not participated in video games either before or since. I mean, uh, you know, Morgan Freeman does a lot of voice work because he's the voice of God. Yes. But, um, uh, Michael Caine is a perfect example of that because he was talking, I remember in that documentary, about how uh, voice work for a video game is surprisingly simple because they have to sync to you and not to uh, your your lip movements if you're doing ADR. But he brings to it a, a, a very similar dedication, maybe because it was his first time doing voiceover for a video game. But either way, we're we're the beneficiaries because... He even talks about uh, the research for the role already having been done by playing Alfred for two months on the movie set. Yes. And I really do think the same can be said of, um, of Christian Bale. I mean, you, when you're doing a performance that is completely dependent upon your vocal delivery, maybe he had to uh, enunciate a little bit more or, or tone down the, the grittiness. But like you said at the, at the top of this uh, discussion... You know, the the voice hadn't evolved to a different point as it would in the other films. And that might be key, but really it does help to emphasize the, I guess, the strength of his initial conception of how Batman should sound. Because yes. it's, not, it's, it's not unlike or unusual compared with other, uh, other vocal performances. And in many cases, there are people that have played Batman... Uh, via voice far worse than Christian Bale has in either the films or p particularly in this game. I Yeah, I completely agree with that. I, I love Bale's voice in this game and, and Batman Begins. That's my favorite version of, of his voice. And I also like that there were just cool little Easter eggs. Like there's a criminal informant named Walter Feister, who is, of course, the DP of the movie. Yes. Uh, was a, a great little... A, you know, a great little piece there that didn't have to be in there. Emma Thomas does a voice in the game. Mm -hmm. um, it's, who, it, of course, for those who don't know, I mean, if you're listening to this show, you probably know, but wife of Christopher Nolan, producer of the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, it, there were so many nice things about it. And some of, uh, maybe the highest compliment that I can, I can pay to this game is that in addition to being a really fun game that I loved playing, it helped it made this game was part of making me a bigger fan of Batman Begins and then by yes. extension the Dark Knight trilogy like I got more into Batman Begins uh, in part because of this game because I I loved the movie but then I you know I loved it so much that I I needed another outlet to go and kind of experience it in and and this was perfect for that so I really enjoyed it and and I, I liked that I got to do things, you know, I, I liked that I got to have a fight with Scarecrow. Um, I let, yeah. I, one of my favorite things in the game that I would play through to, uh, to always get to the end and have my one-on-one -on -one fight with Ra's al Ghul at, at the end. Like, I loved it because I was so captivated by the turn in Batman Begins where you find out that Ducard is Ra's. I know some people got spoiled on that before the movie came out. I thankfully had not been spoiled. So when that happened, uh, which made me really glad I didn't play the video game uh, before I watched the movie, when that happened in, in the movie, I, I loved it so much. But what was kind of hard is that even though I, I loved Liam Neeson as Roz, he just, because they, they hid him for so long, 
they didn't make him like you didn't get a lot of that character as Ra's al Ghul. You know, you didn't get True. a lot of him as the bad guy because he makes the turn uh, in the third act, and then you know, they he goes off and and does the th- does his thing trying to take over or destroy Gotham, and then he dies. So yeah. you don't get a lot of time with that character, and you don't get as as much of that performance as you would want. And not and that's not a criticism of Batman Begins. That's just saying as a fan wanting more uh, of that character. So this gave me another place to experience that character and have a nice fight with him too. Yeah, well, and I think you bring up a, a crucial point anyway, as far as um, how how uh, a quality of a game is indicated because the details of production personnel from the movies coming in. I mean, really any Easter eggs show a level of desire to make uh, make their product an immersive and representative experience. So uh, if, if you don't know these things about the movie before going into the game, it's not going to affect your enjoyment of the game whatsoever. But if you are aware of these things from the movie before going into the game and you notice them, that automatically shows you that there's a little bit more to it than the, I guess, layman would pick up. And uh, and that's oftentimes, at least in, in, from what I've found, one of the major litmus tests of, uh, of a game's quality is the passion that the developers put into it and the desire to pay it forward in a sense to show them that there is an element to this experience that is a little bit deeper than another one might be. I mean, the licensed games, as we've alluded to a lot over this entire discussion, licensed games have a poor reputation because they are made expressly for the purpose of cashing in on the license, mm. uh, especially in the case of movies, which is very time-based. Uh, and there, when, when there's always an, an end date to the development, that immediately gives the... Uh, it gives a higher level of stress to the developers themselves because they have to deliver the experience by this date, period. And Batman Begins seems to clearly demonstrate that you have a developer that is very capable and that had a desire to make a game that was a more representative Batman experience, which we just had not gotten by that point. And and, and that's one of the things that is continually gratifying about playing this game is that it really does feel like a natural extension of the movie and you know I think you and I had a a very similar experience right when it came out is that you know we want to be as immersed as possible in this new world that was just created in June of 2005 Mm-hmm. And the game is the most direct avenue to do that, especially considering that it's a game of this quality. Yeah, and it it turns out it's the only game of the Dark Knight trilogy uh, yeah. for consoles. And I I remember being so disappointed. I mean, I was crushed when I found out that there wasn't going to be a Dark Knight video game. I mean, I, I heard the rumors that there was another Batman game that was being developed for the following year. Uh, after mm-hmm. 2008 and but at the time i mean i didn't know what arkham asylum was i mean none of us did quite yet um, sure. i was really expecting there to be a dark knight video game because i thought man this was so much fun to go through this world of, of batman begins and then fighting scarecrow and fighting Ra's al ghul and knowing that the joker was going to be the next one i thought man, if i can play this game again but with 
you know, the, the minor improvements that you would expect from one game to the next, plus now going up against uh, the Joker and possibly Harvey Dent slash Two-Face. All of that just seemed like such a fun way to be an extension of, uh, of the Dark Knight. And uh, I remember being really bummed that that didn't happen. Although, in hindsight, I mean, I, I don't know where in the if uh before heath's tragic passing if if he would have been if i don't know when in the schedule he would have done the recording for that but uh if he couldn't come in and do the voice i wouldn't have wanted the game anyway sure but uh if there was going to be that's that's kind of like one of my all-time wish lists of games that never happened is dark knight because i granted i know the dark knight it became you know batman begins is the most pure superhero movie of the dark knight trilogy everything else is you know more you know, in line with with other types of films like the modern crime drama that was The Dark Knight, um, mm-hmm. and I don't. Well, I don't think it lent itself as well to a video game as Batman Begins did story wise. You can always work that out with the game. So that's kind of, uh, I guess, a Dark Knight video game as an extension of this Batman Begins game is is totally one of the the fish that got away in in video game history for me. Yeah, it's funny that you bring that up because um, I was, of course, also very invested in uh, the idea of a Dark Knight video game, largely because I enjoyed the Batman Begins video game so much. The Dark Knight video game was originally going to be developed by a studio called Pandemic, and they were mm-hmm. a subsidiary of EA. And uh, the I, the games that they uh, developed that I probably played the most, they were actually the developers of the first two Star Wars Battlefront games. Mm. Um, so... Already, you have a pretty decent uh, level of quality, and um, yeah, it is it it is really uh, really hard to think about the fact that you know if if it was made at the appropriate time and if uh, if vocal work would have been turned in at the opportune moment, then it is kind of heartbreaking to think that there's a whole other Heath Ledger Joker performance that we didn't get. Yeah. And uh, so, and, and I think um, one of the other elements of, of a Dark Knight game was that it was supposed to have an open world where you actually drive yes. around Gotham in the Tumblr. And uh, of course, we very recently got a video game that functions the, the same way. And considering where the technology is uh, now compared with 2008, 2007, maybe that worked out for the best. But it is still just one of those, God, what could have been? Because that could have potentially been something very special, especially considering who was going to develop that game. Yes. Yeah. Because I think that was the most heartbreaking part of it is that, you know, knowing that uh, not, by the way, just proper context, that we didn't get a video game with Heath Ledger as the Joker is not the worst thing about his tragic passing. Oh, but, yeah, absolutely Just, um, I just want to make sure any listeners hearing know that we don't, you know, think of it that way, but no, no, no. Yeah, but um, in terms of the game, I think that was part of what made it so disappointing is that you know there had been you know that it, it was something that was being developed, you know, it wasn't that was going to be worked on and and potentially come out. But I, I think what ended up happening is just um, I don't know if if maybe the inability to get a, a vocal performance factored into it. I don't think that would have been the only thing uh, that, that caused it. I, I think maybe that, and uh, also just the, um, also just the, the knowledge that there was this bigger game coming. I mean, certainly mm-hmm. the, the folks at EA slash pandemic, 
being in the industry, they would probably have a better idea of what was being developed to come out the following year and maybe just felt like it was they were best served to uh, with everything else being considered. Maybe they were they were best served to uh, to step aside and and it worked out. I mean, yeah, I I wasn't uh, by the time I got to play Arkham the following year. Uh, I was happy, um, but I, I still always look back at that and think, man, it, it just would have been really cool to play, uh, you know, based on this Batman Begins video game to get something else with Dark Knight. Uh, it would have been cool, but uh, I, I can't say that uh, as a as a Batman fan, you know, playing Batman video games that I've that I'm dissatisfied with what we ended up getting instead because I, I love what we got instead. Yeah, of course. And of the the biggest legacy of all of this is I think the narrative that you and I are both trying to push forward with this if if you guys haven't figured it out yet <laughs> is that uh past was definitely prologue yes. in terms of the 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 exploitation of Batman in video games. I mean, Batman Begins really does stand as quite a solid example of the character's exploitation in video games. I mean, I remember seeing um, some top 10 lists come out pretty recently just to try and amp up before the release of Arkham Knight. And I remember being uh, pretty disappointed that I didn't see Batman Begins on any of them. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that... Were these lists of Batman games? Yes. Oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, isn't it? I mean, it's it's. Uh, I think uh, that's insane. Vengeance made several of the lists, but Batman Begins did not, uh, which which seems very strange. That's baffling. It's I. Batman Begins to me is is hands down the best non Arkham Batman game. There's no mm-hmm. question about that in my mind. Yeah, yeah, and and I, I I tend to feel that way too. I mean, um, we'll of course explore games like Vengeance and. Uh, and perhaps Rise of Sinsu and Dark Tomorrow should be a very interesting episode. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when it comes to Batman Begins, I mean, especially coming off of two very disappointing Batman games in 2003, at least relatively speaking, um, it, it set a, a far higher bar for the character's exploitation in video games and really does uh, serve as a stepping stone to what is now considered, by and large, to be the single best example of a superhero video game series in existence. And, uh, and, and really, one of the first steps toward that eventual, uh, that, that, that eventual goal was Batman Begins. And so, I mean, if anyone who's listening, if you get into a conversation about Batman video games... And this game doesn't come up. It really should. Uh, you can play it through backwards compatibility on an Xbox 360. So if you still own a 360, which many of you probably do, since there's a hundred million of them out there, you can still play this game. And uh, and I would really encourage anyone who has not played it yet to give it a shot because there's something that is pretty special there, and it doesn't always get that recognition. When I think both you and I, Sean, think that it really should. Absolutely, and uh, you know, can't go through this conversation without mentioning that was this the first time the, that there were different skins for different Batman costumes in a game? It may have been. Um, not- I, I I don't know for sure, but it, that was certainly one of the uh, one of the attractive elements for Batman fans is that you can unlock these things as uh, as you progress along. I remember uh, just wanting to go through it again with a different skin just for yeah. fun. Yeah, I went through it with each costume. Mm-hmm. multiple times and, and, yeah. and then went through it and then went back to the, the main Batman Begins costume and went through it several more times. Um, 
Yeah, this that's really crazy for me to to think about to think of a a top 10 Batman games list with Batman Begins not on it. I mean, I think he would go through the four Arkham games and then Batman Begins to me would be the very next one on the list. So mm-hmm. by virtue of of math, it would be, it would be in the top 5 Batman video games of of all time for me. Um I know there's a lot of people who are very high on Batman Vengeance, so I I don't begrudge anyone for putting that if they rank that above Batman Begins, that's maybe the only one that I can look at and and kind of understand uh putting ahead of of Batman Begins, but that I don't personally do that, but I I understand if if there are those who do and that's okay because much like Batman Begins is an extension of this movie I love, Batman Vengeance being an extension of Batman the Animated Series and that world that everybody really loves. Although I also liked the Batman the Animated Series Super Nintendo video game. Not as sure. much, even though I was a bigger fan of Batman the Animated Series than it was Batman Returns, the video game for Batman Returns was slightly better. Um, but uh, And then getting to Vengeance, it was good. But Batman Begins to me was the one where I that gave... That was the first one that really, truly started incorporating elements that should be part of a Batman game. You know, that, as I mentioned, kind of at the top of the conversation, using things like stealth, using intimidation and interrogating suspects, all that stuff was was unique to Batman. That wasn't the kind of stuff that you, you know, that was the stuff you should be doing in a Batman game. And, and Batman Begins was able to uh, deliver that and gave such a complete experience uh, in Batman mythology, even though it was specific to this movie and the characters that were part of this movie, uh, as we mentioned, the concepts that you get to do, the conceptually the things you get to do, you get to fight as Bruce Wayne out of costume, you get to drive the Tumblr, and then of course go on missions uh, as Batman. All of that stuff, you know, made it such a, a great experience as a, a Batman fan to play it, and specifically as a fan of Batman Begins. And you just have to keep in mind that context. The Arkham games are are so great in large part because they are a Batman universe that's built to be a gaming universe. I mean, they Mm -hmm. they are built from the ground up to be video games as opposed to Batman Begins, which is made with, I mean, and look at the delays that we had in the most recent Arkham. You don't get, you don't get to do that with a a video game based on a movie. You don't get, you have, you have to make the release date of the film and, knowing that a game like Batman Begins had way more requirements on it and probably not quite while also having uh, way more demands on it while also having probably a significantly less budget um, as to what something like an Arkham game would get. Yeah. All when you factor in all of those things, like I I think it starts to make Batman Begins look a lot better uh, when it is viewed in the proper context. So any discussion, as you said, of Batman video games, uh, unless you are only talking about Arkham games, uh, you should be, uh, Batman Begins should come up at some point. And even if you are only talking the Arkham games, Batman Begins should still come up uh, as a precursor to all of those. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, because the Arkham games are such uh, widely praised achievements, if you put that at the top, really all of the steps to those games should be taken into account. Mm-hmm. And Batman Begins is one of the last steps before you get to the Arkham games. Yes. And one of the one of one of the steps that really determines the path on which Batman games would go. Yeah. Well, it's it's the step that leaves a footprint that you can actually see in the Arkham games. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. 
Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for the discussion element of this episode. But, Sean, thanks again for, for coming on because uh, I, I, I think we both feel that this game doesn't get the respect it deserves. So hopefully you and I can uh, maybe chart a small uh, path toward maybe getting this game a little bit more recognition. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not the respect it deserves, but it's the respect it needs. So <laughs> we, we gave it just that. Very nicely done, sir. Thank you. Thank you. I once made the mistake of thinking Ra's al Ghul was dead. But when men make themselves symbols, they shed their mortality. Henry Descartes and Jonathan Crane are already gone. Just like Bruce Wayne. He's only a mask. A cover for the face criminals now fear. All that's left is Batman. That's going to do it for this first issue of Comics on Consoles. I really hope you've enjoyed the show, and hope that you're encouraged to come with us in the future as we explore other comics-based video games. Next month, the show is going to be taking a pretty different approach with its subject. That game is most assuredly not based on a movie or TV show, seemed to have been conceived as a budget title, is based on a character that the public at large seems to enjoy denigrating, and for some, ranks among the worst comic book video games ever made. What's the real story behind it, though? Hopefully we can find out when Comics on Consoles issue number two focuses on Aquaman Battle for Atlantis, released in 2003 for the original Microsoft Xbox and the Nintendo GameCube. Look for that issue to drop sometime in October. In the meantime, you can find Comics on Consoles on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Comics Consoles, the word on seemed too much for the handle, I guess, and be sure to subscribe to the show either on Podbean or iTunes. Or both, if you want. You can also follow along by finding me on Twitter, at Chris Clow. And also, once again, a very special thanks to Sean Gerber of Modern Myth Media for doing me the honor of being the show's very first discussion co-host. You can find him on Twitter at Modern Myth Media, and be sure to check out ModernMythMedia.com for information on his podcasts, as well as a wealth of written material he puts up there for you, specifically, every week. Until next month, keep saving the world, gamers and comics fans. After all, the world needs people who continue to believe in heroes. Why not play one in a video game? Thanks for listening, take care, and we'll talk with you again soon. Mm-hmm.